Welcome to episode 404 of the Paranoid Rock Show. My name's Armitage and I'm going to play you, as I have been since 2007, music that you should hear on the radio, but don't. <laughs> As you are all well aware, well know, I am a big fan of The Damned. So I was doubly pleased when, as well as supporting Motorhead on their three-date UK tour, Captain and former Damned, Eddie and the Hot Rods UFO and Andrew Ridgely basis, we're never going to let him forget that, Paul Gray worked to tour their Easy Action CD, a postcard from Britain. The London date was initially on the 20th of November at the Islington Assembly Hall, but then pushed back to the 13th of December, which threw up a whole bunch of clashing gigs. It's also playing the self-same day were Public Image and Richie Ramone featuring friends of the show and top people Alex Kane and Claire Mistake the product. Fortunately, Richie Ramone was playing the boiler room in Guildford the day before, so all was well on my part. But I do know of several people who offloaded their pill tickets in favour of the sensible grey cells. So I was a bit gutted when Captain posted last Friday on Facebook, that was the 17th of October, future and non-Wall Rock Radio listeners, that the tour wasn't going to happen due to poor ticket sales. Now, I've, now I've mentioned this before about buying advanced tickets these days, but this just highlights it. Now, for argument's sake, when I first started going to gigs, the price was, say, a fiver, 6.50 on the door, which you'd phone up your ticket agency of choice, which for me was Star Green, order ticket, write a cheque which included 50 pence booking fee and if you're unlucky 20 pence for PMP post it off this saved you you know 80 odd pence but most importantly guaranteeing you getting cheaper than if you just turned up on the day using the sensible grey cells as an example but this could be you know any band that uses a ticket agency tickets in advance 17 pounds two ordered 34 quid booking fee 2 pound 20 per ticket so a £17 ticket now becomes £19.20. But it doesn't end there. Postal delivery, £2.20. Total, £40.60. A markup of £6.60. Now, I'm all for making a profit, but there's profit and profit, especially when you can be charged for printing the ticket yourself. But it's the real thing. The chances are the tickets on the door would have been cheaper than booking in advance. Therefore... As much as I love Captain, the assembly halls was never going to sell out. Fans, quite understandably, could have foregone the added advance expense and paid on the door, which obviously gives the impression of low pre-sale tickets equals low turnout, leading to the promoter getting cold feet with the gig being pulled. A shame, but nobody's going to address this problem. It's fine to pay on the door avoiding booking fees, voting with your wallet, and that's our right. But as with the sensible grey cells, this led to a cancellation of four dates. No one in the music business is going to say, hang on a minute, we really should look at this pricing policy. No band really makes money from record sales. Merch and gigs are where it's at. So that's where all the sharks add their percentage, fucking it up for bands and fans alike. 
To add insult to injury, I'm only being refunded the face value of the Sensible Greysill tickets, down £6.60, not including the postage, so I have to fork out to return them. How many people don't purchase advance tickets to shows that they know aren't going to sell out to save money and avoid being stunned in the event of gigs being cancelled? To be fair to the captain, the damned refused to sell t-shirts at a recent festival as the venue wanted a stupid slice of the money made. But you see my point. Anyway, here is the sensible grey cells with Halfway to Hollywood and thanks to modern technology, I've made it sound how I think you would have heard it if it had been played live.
Last Saturday, a Warrior Soul main man, Corey Clark, rolled quite literally in a large stretch limo that had a well-stocked bar and half a dozen fans into Islington to play a new venue to me called, appropriately enough, the Islington. When I went to book tickets, TicketWeb had it listed as Corey Clark, Warrior Soul, open brackets, new band show, close brackets. So I assumed that it was a new incarnation of the aforementioned Warrior Soul. It wasn't. It was a new Corey Clark band. To be honest... The line between a solo Corey and a full-on Warrior Soul gig these days is somewhat blurred. I've seen Corey with uh, just a drum kit and a laptop. I've seen him frog march a sound guy out of the underworld. A Corey-less Warrior Soul performed just one song as he had been detained going through customs. And the squirrel remembers seeing them so out of it at the intrepid fox. The bassist threw up mid-set after downing two bottles of Jack. But whatever the situation or who's in the band, whether it's Warrior Soul or Solo Cory, you're going to be entertained. Support on this occasion came from Fuck Shovel, who I totally missed, and Goatleaf, who I only caught the last song of as I was chewing the fat of the land and catching up with friend of the show and fellow gig-goer Michael, who, as we were leaving at the end of the evening, was mistaken for me. Well, let's face it. When you're meeting up with someone you haven't seen for over 25 years, you don't expect two strikingly good-looking blokes to be in the same place at the same time. Good to see you again, Dave, and I'm glad you made it home in one piece. Let's not leave it so long next time. I'm sort of gutted I didn't see more of the aforementioned Goatliff, as their brand of punk desert session stoner rock seems right up my path. Bassist Dave Mann was amazing, and the guitarist was none other than former Warrior Soul member Johnny H. So enjoy... Even if it's very briefly, go leaf. <laughs>
was surprised at first how small the Islington is as a venue. So I, I think I went around telling all and sundry that it was the size of my front room. And when I first went in, I half expected to see my daughter watching The X Factor, no, not the former Warriors, or guitarist, you understand, on TV. I know, I know, I can't wait for the day when she asks me, Daddy, can you play me some ruts? On reflection, the venue is probably the sort of same size as the upstairs of the garage, and by the time Corrie and his trusted cohorts hit the stage, sardines and fag paper seemed appropriate. Corrie looked relaxed and tanned, and the squirrel muttered John Bon Jovi, but if pressed, I'd say more Southern California, even if I believe he does now live in Berlin. Still with seemingly boundless energy, like a boxer ready to spot, giving the stiff middle finger to those deemed to have crossed him. The band launched into punk and belligerent from salutations from the Ghetto Nation and I was immediately struck by the sound, or black of. It was like the band was playing behind double glazing. I half expected Ted Moult to pop up in front of me and shout, OK Fred, turn it on. It was balanced, but seemed to be, you know, for a venue of this size, lack power and volume. The band were giving it plenty of welly, but whereas I should have been pinned to the back wall in a high octane of jet engine noise, I wasn't. Maybe I was still using the loudness of Crucified Barbara as a reference point. For the drug, I got closer to the stage and in turn found the sound was much, much better. Looks like I was just standing in the wrong place at the wrong time, either that or I was stood behind a mass of a man whose dampening fields were on. Corey's band looked like they were attacking their instruments of choice as opposed to playing them, with Corey, the commander-in-chief, leading from the front, tearing through just over an hour's worth of classic Warrior Soul songs, along with a selection of his brand new album, Payback's a Bitch, which it is. Until next week, take it easy.
this is not the first album. And, uh, you know, I hate to go. I hate to go back to making this kind of living, but it looks like I'm going to have to. But uh, it was fun. So anyway, uh, there was a guy that ran some things. It's
there the police all it up. Stop the van. Whatever the thing is called. And uh, I go, you got too much weight in here. I'm like, well, it's a fucking truck, dude. And the guy goes, the guy goes, well, why don't you take some of it out? And I'm like, we'll wait. And I'm like, okay. Somebody takes some shit out and he fucking weighs it. He goes, yeah, you still got too much shit. He goes, let's take a couple dudes out of there. It's like, okay, well, fine. And he goes, you got about a fucking hour to straighten this up. I go, you guys are like the Ryanair of police wipeouts. This is like flying Ryanair driving through Nottingham. You know, what the fuck? I know you like busting trucks and shit. What do you bust fucking stupid bands like? You know, God. Anyway, they took five thousand dollars. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it was extensive enough to piss you off. Let me tell you. Anyway, this is called Fuck the Pants.
Nice club, great people. This is good, man. Give yourself a hand.
sure enough, the new album, Payback's a Bitch. It was written by a good friend of mine in uh, North Jersey, a guy named Bobby Kennedy. And he uh, is in a great band called Acid. He's using it as a title track for his album coming out soon. But I decided I wanted to use it on my record, too. And he was so kind enough to allow me to use it. And this is called Rock and Roll Genocide. Thank <laughs> you.